Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to another edition of Radio Elevate. My name's Cody. And I'm Jennifer. And we are so glad to have you today. Thank you all, everybody out there, for giving our podcast another spin, giving another listen this week. We've been having a great time over the course of the summer, breaking down popular worship songs. You know, we've had some very great discussions on some worship songs throughout this series, Jennifer. What does some of this mean to you, kind of breaking down music versus worship here? Well, you know, I feel like people think that there is a lot of difference between, you know, Christian music and worship music. But depending on your situation, what you're going through, you know, your relationship with the Lord, I mean, you can make any Christian song a worship song. It doesn't have to to be, you know, what you characterize a worship song as. It can be anything that relates to your situation and anything that stirs up the Holy Spirit in your heart to to give praise to the Lord. I mean, that's ultimately what He wants. That's the you know, the reason behind our worship. So, I mean, it's it's nice to look at songs that some people might not see as worship songs, you know, some songs that, you know, are really popular in the worship arena and really break them down and talk about them and look at scripture and how they relate and how we can relate them to our lives. You know, I have to, you know, give you just a little bit of a, a peek behind the curtain of the podcast here. When we decided to do the song we did last week, we did Rescue last week by Lauren Daigle. And I have to be honest, that was one of the hardest podcasts that I had put together. And when we sat down and we clicked record that day, I was super nervous about mm-hmm. what was getting ready to happen because I've heard some some criticism over Lauren Daigle on TV and things like that. But I even found a website that uh, rates the worship songs that we play. And uh, the song we're listening to today got a 10 out of 10. The Lauren Daigle song we did last week got a 4 out of 10. Uh, and, and that's, you know basing that on the scale of how accurate that song is to scripture, how worshipful that song is. So uh, when Rescue I Saw received a four out of 10, I got just a little bit nervous. uh, And I I was a little nervous because as I said, that was kind of a hard podcast to put together as far as the research goes, but ended up with, you know, three or four pages worth of notes and three pages worth of scripture that went back to that song. Mm And I thought last week was one of the better conversations that Mm -hmm. we've gotten to have so far in this series on Radio Elevate, and it just hit me that, you know, maybe I need to to change my outlook just a little bit because, you know, I was maybe one of those people that was like, yeah, Lauren Daigle has some good music, but is it really worshipful? Well, you can go listen to a 50-minute conversation last week Mm -hmm. about how worshipful that song really was. And it's really how you, you know, relate with the song and how you apply it to your heart and and that kind of stuff. I love Lauren Daigle, obviously. I chose the song last week, and I think we did have really good conversation. So if you've not went back and listened to that, definitely go listen to it. But, you know, it's it's nice to look at songs that aren't maybe um, really what, when you say worship song, it's not the first song that comes to your mind. But it's it's a really good song, and it... And I, I feel the Holy Spirit when I listen to it, so I really enjoy it. Well, I think we had a conversation after we sat down and recorded last week's episode is, is we had a personal conversation between you and I that that song last week, it may not be for Sunday morning worship. Right. And, and that, that much is probably... Not meant important. to sing at church on the stage, but... Yeah, but for personal worship and, you know, that time with yourself, I thought it was great. And that mm-hmm. song talked about sending out armies to find people and... That's what we're hoping this podcast is doing is we're hoping we're the army going out to find the lost and that, you know, our conversations can be that that vessel that's bringing you 
closer to Christ. We mm-hmm. really hope that's what this podcast is doing for you. That's right. That's our our main objective for sure. Absolutely. So we can have some, you know, disagreements on which songs we like, which ones we don't. I know you've not loved every song we've picked, you know, for the podcast. I've not loved every one of them that we've picked, but breaking these down and talking about how they've really enhanced our worship is has been such a, a major thing to me over the last, you know, seven, eight weeks that we've done this is it has really added to my personal worship when I'm in the car listening. And it's really added to my thought that go behind the lyrics and the worship words and the songs that we're listening to. And I know that you too, when you were putting the playlist together, is what songs that the Lord were laying on your heart, you know? And and I added that song last minute because I really felt, you know, when I was like, you said, you know, is there a song you want to do? That's the first song that I felt that God brought to the forefront of my brain. So, you know, we're really doing the ones that we're feeling, you know, led to do that we hope that people can get something out of that we feel like the Lord wants us to speak about. And and we've had to call some audibles here. If you go Mm -hmm. look and you look at the graphic on our website, you'll see that there's a couple songs on that playlist for the initial graphic that we were going to do that after we've gotten in the rhythm of this podcast, we've decided not to do. And one of them was Build My Life by Pat Beret. And I love it. It's a great Mm -hmm. song, but... It's, it's a worship song. It says the same thing over and over. It's a great Sunday morning song, but it's not one like, you know, the Battle Belongs that we was able to dive down into forever that, you know, we went over an hour on Battle Belongs. I think we could have went even longer than that if we really wanted to, but I'm just having a great time going through these worship songs, going through the words of it. It's really changed my perspective on worship. It's changed my perspective on a couple of songs that we've done, and it, it's really given me kind of a bright outlook as to some of the worship songs coming up in the future. Yeah. And depending on our audience too, the Lord's also going to change our, you know, put different songs on our brain, depending on what someone might need, you know? And if you guys have recommendations of songs you might like, you know, you can let us know on Sunday. If you go to our church, you can email Cody, leave comments on the podcast, wherever you listen to it too. Um, But you know, we're really having fun doing these and, and I've really enjoyed it. You know, just you listen to those songs and it's just in your brain, the lyrics, and you're just saying them and you're just, you know, singing them in your car with your kids. But to actually look at the different lyrics and how they relate to scripture and really what they mean, it's been, it's been really fun. So I hope you guys are enjoying that too. It's been a, it's been a great time for me. I know it's been a great time Mm -hmm. for you. Uh, I know I've seen you put in a lot of work on the Bible studies that Mm -hmm. come with this. So I really hope that this is out there touching you. I really hope that breaking these songs down is enhancing your worship if Mm -hmm. you're out there listening to it. Uh, I hope that you're going and taking a listen to the other worship songs that complement the, the, the central worship song that we're doing. And listen, we're not going to be a worship song review podcast. No. That's that's not what yeah. we are. This is our first series that we're mm-hmm. doing here. And I'll tell you that this first series, I can't believe it, is getting ready to wind down and come to an end. We've only got a couple weeks left of the Ultimate Summer Playlist. I guess we can't do the Ultimate Summer Playlist all year, right? Right. But uh, this series is winding down. We do have some information coming up in the coming weeks about what our next series on this podcast is going to be. But this is definitely a series that I think in, in you know, in season three, season mm-hmm. four, we're going to circle back around to because there's so many awesome worship songs out there that, I, you know, we can't get them all in eight to ten weeks. we got a lot more coming our way. Definitely. 
So, but today we've got a guy coming up, but right before we get there, I want to take just a quick break, give you a couple announcements coming up in regards to Elevate Youth Ministry. Hey, as we just talked about, if you like what we're doing and you want to join in just a little bit more on the worship, we have devotionals dedicated to each and every one of these episodes that we're doing. It's over there on our website at www.radioelevatepod.com. There you can also find a link to the worship we just talked about for the other songs that enhance the worship that goes along with the episodes that we're doing right now. If you can't get to the website, the link to it is also right down there below in the description link for this episode as well. Hey, if you're listening to this on the day that it drops, Sunday, July 23rd, tonight, Elevate Youth is going to be meeting over at the Visitor Center there in Jonesboro, Tennessee, where we're going to be having a scavenger hunt, going to have a great time with everybody. If you're grades 7 through 12, we invite you to come hang out with us, fellowship with us, have a good time with one another. And, you know, I'm a big guy. If you don't know what I look like, I'm a big guy. I don't like to do a lot without food close by. So when we finish the night up, the end of the scavenger hunt is also going to include a uh, ice cream party. So make sure that you're there to hang out with us. And another thing, we're going to close out the series of the Ultimate Summer Playlist July 30th right there in the main campus at 111 Conley Drive in Jonesboro, Tennessee. That's Cross Point Church's main campus. Myself, along with the rest of the worship team at Cross Point, are going to be sitting right there with a night of worship where we're going to be playing many of the songs that you've heard right here on this podcast. So if you have a chance, come join us for that night of worship. Come join us to have a great time with one another fellowship and lift the name of our Lord up in song and praise right there at the main campus. Well, I can't believe that we've gotten this far into Radio Elevate when we're reviewing worship songs and we have not gotten to the modern day David. We have not gotten to Chris Tomlin. Yeah, he's been around since um, I was in high school or long before that. And that was a long time ago. And that's been a long time ago. Not as long as you, but it has been a long time since I've been in high school. But he was around when I was in uh, my worship band in high school. So um, he's definitely been around the block and he's he's put out a song or two for sure. He's put out a song or two. And uh, one thing I can say about Chris Tomlin is when that dude puts out a song, you don't have a question as to if it's a worship song or not. Chris Tomlin is putting out some some phenomenal worship music. He's been doing it for a long time. He's still doing it to this very day. The song we're going to look at today is a song called Our God by Chris Tomlin. The song was released on February 26th of 2010. This might be the oldest song that we've reviewed on the podcast Mm -hmm. so far. It was written by Chris Tomlin, Jesse Reeves, Ed Cash, and Jonas Myron, all of Passion. In 2011, it won the Dove Award for Worship Song of the Year, and it was number 46 on the Billboard Christian Songs of the Decades for the year 2000 to 2010. There's a lot of worship songs that have come out over a 10-year span. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good to say you're in that top 50, and I dare say Chris Tomlin had some other tunes that broke that top 50 as well. Here's another interesting fact. There's a thing called the Christian Copyright Licensing International. It's CCLI. It's the same thing that we use in our church. Most churches use it. It's the uh, thing that churches go on to to print off our music, and so churches can pay the copywriting fees to play these songs each and every week. It is still our God, Chris Tomlin. Here it is 13 years later. It is still number five 
in the CCLI's top 25 songs downloaded each and every week. That's wild. I heard on a, one of the local Christian stations here years ago that uh, if you went to church that morning, studies showed that there was like a 90% mm-hmm. chance, and I, I'm pulling that number out of my, my hindsight, but it was a, it's a pretty, uh, it was a pretty high number, mm-hmm. but let's say for sake of argument, it was 90%, that there was a 90% chance that if you attended church that morning, you sang a Chris Tomlin song. I believe it. Yeah, I believe it too. So as we do each and every week, let's take a listen to Chris Tomlin as he tells us the story behind the song, Our God. So I remember Our God, Matt brought this uh, song to, uh, to the team. We were writing for Passion and there was several of us that were writing and it was, you know, it was an amazing time to get together as friends. It was like Jesse and Louie and Matt and Christy and and Nathan, several, Daniel, several people were writing together for this conference thinking, what in the world, what kind of songs can we bring that are fresh and new, you know, and, and Matt comes with this idea, Our God, and it was so special. I remember sitting on the piano and he plays me the chorus for the first time. I was like, this is, he started playing Our God is Greater, Our God is Stronger. I was like, this is so good. This is so good. And I, and I just knew, I, you know, every once in a while you just hear something you're like, wow, that, there's something, but I didn't know it would be that good. I mean, I thought it was a good song, but I didn't know it would really catch fire like it has. Uh, not only at Passion, and not only from the album, but around the world and around the country on radio. It was our first uh, song that Passion's had on radio, that, and it was just huge, and it went to number one on radio. It's, that's never happened before for, for us with Passion, and it's just so awesome. So we put it on our new record as well. I even called our record, And If Our God Is For Us, um, because that's just... It's so much hope and so much faith in that statement. And when we play it live, we open the night with it, we close the night with it. It's just been that kind of song. And, and those songs don't come along too often. And I'm just thankful to be a part of it. I'm just a small part of it, but I'm really thankful uh, to carry that song in a, in a real special way. Right there, you hear it from Chris Tomlin himself, the story behind the song. Talking about it going to number one, he opens and he closes his show still with that song to this day. That talks about the power that this song has over people because it's full of worship. The song, our first talking point I want to talk about today, the song really starts talking about some of the different miracles mm-hmm. of Jesus. And, you know, our God, Jesus, is the only being that's able to perform those miracles. Oh, yeah, he is. I mean, you see it from the very first line of the song. I mean, the theme throughout this song for me is just praising God for the power that he gives, the, you know, his awesome power, his strength, all that stuff. So, you know, in that theme, his miracles, you know, show a really big, you know, common thread throughout that. Um, You know, we see it in his first miracle when he turns water into wine, the first, you know, miracle of the Bible. Um, you know, but he, he is the only one that can do that. And it talks about him being the light in the darkness. And then once, once the, the light's gone, I mean, there won't be any more miracles. So, I mean, he is the only one that can do that. Well, so the, the first lyrics of the song is Mm -hmm. water you turned into wine. And if you want the scripture reference of that, you can find that in John chapter two, verses one through the 11 is the story of Jesus turning water into wine. You know, at first Jesus turning water into wine, that seems like kind of a, a, a small thing, right? When we know all the major things that Jesus is really getting ready yeah. to do, that seems like really kind of a small thing. And he even tells Mary, you know, when she says, hey, they're getting ready to run out of wine. Jesus even says, that's 
that ain't my problem. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want me to, to do, do with that? Yeah. yeah, like, uh, that seems like a you problem, yeah. not yeah. a me problem. But he still does it. And God sees a problem. He still creates a solution for that problem. But it just seems that that's such a small thing to be done. Well, when when I first started doing my research on all this, when I thought of turning water into wine, I thought about the scene in The Chosen. I know last week I talked about The Chosen too, but I went back on YouTube and watched the miracle of turning water into wine, The Chosen scene, because for some reason it was just in my head. And they they made a metaphor is what they called it but they made they talked a little bit during that that this miracle defined god's you know walk on the earth because once he did this miracle there was no turning back this was the first the first miracle that he did and so i think that's why it might have been so trivial but it was such a big deal and i think that's why it's referenced so much because it was it was the first miracle or the Bible. So John chapter 2, uh, 1 through 11, tells the story of this. Verse mm-hmm. 11 actually says, This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now, mm-hmm. they're already following him at this point. They've already, you know, as we've talked about Matthew and all these guys, they've already dropped the coins on the table. They're already following him. But I think Jesus uses this particular miracle not to tell the entire world about what's happened yet. This is a relatively small population of people that sees what happens. Yeah. But he's really gaining the um, the trust of his followers at this point, and especially his disciples. Yeah, that really small group of people. Because it was a really intimate. It was the it was that wedding, and so I mean, it wasn't open to the whole public. It was a small, intimate wedding. Yeah. And so it was really just the people that were there celebrating that wedding that saw that. And so, and he wasn't like, "Go tell everybody that I've turned water into wine." Um, you know, it was him marking it and saying, and I even in the chosen in that scene before he turns the water into wine, he says. I'm ready. And so uh, to me that marked, I'm ready to start yeah. doing the big things. It's I'm, time. Yes. It's time for me to start showing people who we really are um, and, you know, start doing, doing the work. So yeah. he said, I'm ready, dipped his hands in the water and brought him out. And it was one. And it was really, really cool to me. Um, another thing about this that I thought was pretty significant when I was reading the verse myself was in your translation it said master of ceremonies and mine it said head waiter but the guy that they serve the wine to first once it's um once it's poured so um he said and this might be overlooked by some but for me it was a little more profound he said some people wait to serve the best wine or some people serve the best wine first but you waited to serve the best wine last, and that's the wine that Jesus had created. So to me, that was a good um, connection with that and then stuff we can apply to our life that um, things that we can make, so the wine they were drinking before, what God can give us is so much better. And so um, that just made it to me a little bit, a little bit. It just showed me that, you know, what God can do for us and what he can give us is so much greater than the things that we can do for ourselves and make ourselves. And it's better. Exactly. It's just better in all ways. And you think about it, too, because that was actually my next bullet point, oh, too, was, <laughs> was about that. But, you know, typically the reason they did that is they would serve the best wine first mm-hmm. back in these days because after they'd had a few glasses they of wine. They didn't care. Well, they didn't care, and the, their taste buds were already kind of accustomed to it, so mm-hmm. the taste wasn't that important after, a, you know, a glass or two. 
This was distinctly different. Right. This had to be distinctly better than the wine that had been served earlier, which is Jesus's hands, not ours, right? Yeah. Jesus is making stuff better than we can, and it's noticeable. Right. It's noticeable. But one thing that I do think is overlooked about this particular miracle is we always talk about the water being turned into wine, and we know that it happened in a wedding in Cana, but let's talk about Jesus went to a wedding. Mm -hmm. Jesus is celebrating the union between man and woman and their relationship with God. Wedding's a time for celebration, isn't it? Definitely. You know, even in today's time, I know, you know, marriage has been made into something that God never intended it to and that, you know, we as Christians should not intend either, but... You know, even now when two people come together in the name of the Lord, in front of the Lord, and commit themselves to each other, I mean, that's still a, a time of celebration and a time of praise to God that he brought, you know, two people together. You know, and, and Jesus goes to a wedding. He celebrates. He has fun with mm -hmm. other believers right there. He's telling us that celebration's okay. Having fun and fellowship with other Christians, it's okay. Celebrating momentous occasions is okay. Sometimes we think... Man, I, I feel bad to, to celebrate certain things. But Jesus is telling us, hey, it's okay to celebrate unions with him. It's okay to have these ceremonies. It's okay to have fun as a Christian. Definitely. So, but the next story that we get is, you know, Jesus, water you turned in the wine, open the eyes of the blind. This is referenced three different times mm -hmm. in scripture where Jesus is healing the blind. It's referenced first in Matthew chapter 9, verse 27 through 30, Mark chapter 8, 22 through 25, and John chapter 9, 1 through 7. I find it interesting that we get one story of turning water into wine. We get three separate stories of Jesus healing the blind. I mean, I think that it's such a, um, it's such a tale of you know, before being saved and after, because before you, you know, God is opening up your eyes to things that you normally wouldn't see. So you are blind to your sin. You are blind to the things that, you know, once you become saved, your eyes are open to. But, um, I, I really enjoyed reading the, the three stories. My favorite was the one in John nine. Um, but that one, it has the most detail. Too. Yes, it did. But I, I liked the, the way that, that that one was as far as, you know, what you could, what you got out of it and could relate to. Cause the disciples automatically in, in that John nine, just a little paraphrase version, the disciples automatically thought that his blindness was a punishment for a sin, either his or his parents. But Jesus tells them that it came about so that Christ may be displayed through him and his works and his healing. So he is pretty much saying that he was made blind so that Jesus could heal him and so he could be an example of cross healing and his works and um, God's glory. So, you know, we can tie that into our lives in so many different ways that our circumstances and trials, you know, we can be put in that situation to show the glory and the healing of God. Well, and I think that, that these stories about him healing the blind really talks about Jesus's healing touch. Mm -hmm. You know, blindness is something that even if we have perfect vision, we can kind of relate to. If you can't just close your eyes right now, then you have an idea of what blindness is like. You can't see anything around you. You're you're lost. You can't mm -hmm. go anywhere if you're if you're if your eyes are closed and you try to walk a straight line. You just you can't really do it. 
Jesus' healing hand opens our eyes. It puts that light into our into our life so that we can see him. Jesus is the only hand that has healing like that that can open those eyes. And I think that's why we get three separate stories about Jesus healing the blind is because it's so relatable. And, you know, last week we talked about how we talk about those parables and how they're so easy to relate to. The blindness story to us is really easy to relate to. Let's look. Let's be honest. We can't all relate with somebody turning water into wine, right? Right. That's unless you're a winemaker out there. That's just not something that that we do much. I think we can all relate to opening our eyes and seeing the world in a different light. Yeah, and you know, Satan doesn't want us to for that veil to be taken over our eyes, taken off by the Lord. He wants us to be blind to the sin of others, culture. You know, what we're watching, what we're feeding into our hearts, what our kids are doing, you know, what our friends are doing, things like that. He doesn't want us to, for our eyes to be open and for us to look around and see things through the eyes of Christ, which that's what God wants us to do. We want to be, we want to be like him. We want to yeah. see things the way that he sees them and, and do what is, you know, what is good for, for the Lord. But in all three stories that we get of Jesus healing the blind, you have somebody that... Now, look, we don't know if the people that were born blind were believers before their encounter with Jesus. Mm -hmm. The Bible's kind of silent on that. But we do know that after he healed their blindness, they were believers and they did believe in him. Each one of those stories tells us that afterwards they believed. But I find it interesting in the verse in Matthew, Jesus tells this person, don't tell anybody about this. Yeah. In some of the other ones, he says, hey, feel free to tell everybody <laughs> But that really talks about the personal relationship we have with Jesus and the healing that he gives us in our own lives. Sometimes it's okay to let everybody know. Sometimes it's okay to have that personal one-on-one -on -one with Jesus. And Jesus doesn't do it for the fame. You know, he does it because he loves you and he does it because you are his chosen. You are his child. You know, he wants that. He obviously wants you to spread his word, but he doesn't do it for... I don't know the word I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? He doesn't do it for you to to boast, is you know. Yeah. But he does it. He wants you to spread his word. But he does it because you have that relationship with him. Well, he has healing power in his hands. We know that. And one of my absolute favorite stories about Jesus having healing power in his hand. And this is not in the song, but if you check out the Bible devotional that goes with this, I ask you what your favorite story of Jesus's miracles are. My absolute favorite one is where he heals the paralytic. Mm -hmm. And and if, you, if you're unfamiliar with the story, when Jesus heals a paralytic, you can find the story in Mark chapter two, it's verses one through 10. Jesus is out just doing what Jesus does. He's already in his ministry. He's got his followers. He's already out there talking to people. He just goes, he sits down, he's reclining at people's houses, talking to them, and people just start flocking. They start peeking into windows. It's the Bible tells us that a major crowd uh, gathered around to hear Jesus teaching. If you do watch the series, The Chosen, you can actually see Matthew trying to find a way to, to see Jesus doing the teaching in this before mm -hmm. he becomes a follower. But uh, when he's there teaching, it is just absolutely packed. And there's four friends. And these are some pretty, pretty solid friends, by the way. I hope I can find four friends like this in my life. They've got a paralytic friend. And they're going to try to get Jesus, the healing power that he has, the word spread on that. 
but they're trying to get the paralytic man healed. But it's packed. They can't reach Jesus. Jesus is up there teaching and doing what he does. And they're like, how are we going to get our friend to reach down to Jesus? And somebody thought in 2,000 years, there's going to be a movie called Mission Impossible. And I'm going to steal from it. So they go to the roof. They dig a hole in the roof. Somehow they rig some rope together and they lower the man down. And when he reaches down, it gets Jesus' attention. Mm -hmm. And the guy's like, hey, I want to be healed. So the first thing Jesus does and says, okay, your sins are forgiven. And I can imagine that literally the air just came out of the room for the four friends. They're probably up there all looking over the hole they built in the roof like, is that it? Like, we just lowered this dude down for you to heal him and you're going to say you're forgiven. But when he does that, we remember that that's really the healing we all need, right? Definitely. I mean, our spiritual, you know, healing and restoration should always come first to physical. So, and and God knows that, you know, our, our time here and our bodies here are so temporary, but, you know, I obviously can't relate to being paralyzed, but I can imagine that that would be disappointing after hearing the other miracles God's done. Yeah, he's going there wanting to walk, but he he walks, that was a bad pun, but he walks away with so much more. He walks away with his salvation Mm -hmm. right there. But when Jesus looks down and says, my son, you're healed, the Pharisees are around doing what Pharisees do, right? And Jesus hears them. Jesus rebukes him right there. He's like, who are you to say I can't do this? Mm-hmm. The Pharisees are just so jealous of what Jesus does. But then Jesus performs the miracle that they asked for. Jesus heals the paralytic man and kind of shuts the Pharisees up right there. They're sitting there saying, this dude's a blasphemer. Who in the world can look at somebody and say, your sins are forgiven? Who is this guy then he gets up and walks up and it's like, oh, mm, gotcha. Oh, uh oh, maybe this really is Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, for me, the story that that miracle of healing the paralytic man, that to me just solidifies how important it is. The people that you surround yourself with, yeah. the company that you keep, the friends that you have are so important to your journey on earth and your journey with Christ. I mean, if that man didn't know those people, if he surrounded himself with people that were that were bad, didn't care, didn't follow the Lord, I mean, he would have never been healed. Yeah. But he followed people that truly cared about him and cared about his, you know, healing and his, you know, what he needed that they carried. I can't imagine trying to carry him up on the, that kind of house. Oh, it had and to be horrible. Build, digging that out and lowering him down. I mean... That was a lot of work on them that they didn't necessarily have to do. Not to mention fighting the crowd to get there. Exactly. So as adults, as teenagers, as kids, as, you know, you know, middle-aged people, older people, I mean, it's so important the company you keep in your walk with Christ because they're going to make or break, you know, what you can do, how you can affect other people, you know, your relationship with Christ, and it can really, you know, help you in that way. So that really brought that out to me as well, those friends. And Jesus really turned some selfishness into some glory to him here too, right? Like, I mean, I'm not going to knock anybody that's a paralytic that, that wants to walk. Like, right. that's that's completely understandable. I'm not going to bl- knock a blind person for wanting to see. Like, that's that's clearly acceptable. But, you know, the, the criticism is, what did this fella do to be born a paralytic 
He was born a paralytic for God's glory to be seen in this. Exactly. And not only was the paralytic saved or the former paralytic saved, you know that the salvation of his four friends looking down from that roof, their disappointment all of, sort, uh, all of a sudden turns into just awe and amazement because they've just witnessed Jesus do what Jesus does. And additionally, forgiven the paralytic of his previous sins. And every single person, that huge crowd that watches, like you said, the Pharisees, every single person in that in that area saw what God could do. So, I mean, his miracles affected not just the people that got them, but the people that saw. Because, I mean, they had to know that he was... He was Jesus and he, you know, was the Messiah. He was who, he was the coming king. Mm -hmm. He was the... The The one they'd been waiting for. Yeah, the person they'd been waiting for. And, you know, I think about that too. It's easy to knock the Pharisees here. It's easy to go back because we know through scripture who Jesus was. Mm -hmm. There's no no question about that. The Pharisees didn't know at the time. They're living it in real time. Yeah, they're living it in real time. I mean, if if Jesus' second coming had not come yet here in 2023 and we saw those same miracles being performed, we'd be skeptical too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's human nature to be skeptical. So it's easy to go back and knock these guys, Mm -hmm. but truth be told, I don't think a lot of us would be much different in today's world until Jesus' Holy Spirit worked in us and we knew that he really was who he said that he was. Right. But as the song goes on, the second verse of the song talks about who God is, who we are, and what we can become. The song talks about how God's goodness always overshadows evil. God is is simply the light of the world, and I know that's kind of cliche. We hear that all the time, but we see God manifested in the form of light in so many times. Sin is really referred to as darkness a lot of times. It is. I mean, in the Bible, you hear, you know, you are the the lamp unto my feet. You 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 light my path. I mean, his light in the darkness of what Satan has done to the world with, with bringing sin into the garden. I mean, that light is what we should be walking by. We should have that light in front of us and and letting God, you know, really take us on that path. It's like you being outside in the woods, all you have is a lantern. Yeah. I mean, you're you rely on that lantern to get you where you need to go and to get you there safely and and really to guide to guide your path so you don't step on something fall sure it should be the same thing for the lord we you know in the darkness that culture is created you know god really should be showing us where to go well when god really is our light we we get used to the idea that darkness does not last we you know and i really kind of even hate to touch on that a little bit because we're you know seven or so episodes deep into this we've talked about god being the light Almost mm-hmm. each and every week. It, it's it's just something that Christians say almost. It just rolls off our tongue. We know it to be true, so I don't want to harp on it just too much. Mm-hmm. But this song says a verse, out of the ashes we rise. And when I read that verse of the song, it really hit me about baptism. Yeah. Because it talked about out of the darkness into light, into the ash, or out of the ashes we rise. Yeah. And I thought, man, that's really what's happening so much. And earlier we talked about, you know, healing the sight of the blind and closing your eyes when you go under the water being baptized. It just hit me that, or the, I, you know, I guess God was speaking to me when I was when I was researching this song that we really need to talk about baptism right here and why baptism is so important. What is baptizing? Why is it so important to you? 
Bapt- baptisms at our church, especially. They're I mean, awesome. Since our old building, when we did them outside or and inside. You fell, and you fell when I you got I did baptized. fall. Yeah. I was so overcome yeah. that I <laughs> That's fell. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. But baptisms are something for me. I cry no matter what it is. I cry if it's a child, of course. I cry if it's someone I know. I cry if it's someone I don't know. I cry if it's someone that I've never seen before. It's just baptism to me stirs something in me about a new believer making the declaration like I've been saved. I'm ready to be a new person. Jesus washed this, washed my past off of me. Something about that. I have goosebumps right now. Something about that just really resonates with me as far as making me very emotional. Cody knows I'm a very emotional person anyways, but Every time I cry. If you look at me during a baptism Sunday, I will be crying. Well, it's hard not to, to be honest. It is. It is. Especially when it's our teens, too. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm a blubbering mess. But, and, I mean, it's just, it's such a declaration of new life that it's just, there's no way, they're tears of joy. It's like we are rejoicing with these people yeah. of their outward um, declaration or their outward showing of them becoming a new person in Christ. I think I heard you use the term a moment ago, new creation mm-hmm. in Christ. And that's really what we are. And you talk about some baptisms that, that we've witnessed and we've had the honor oh of witnessing yes. a lot of baptism. I've had the honor of having several teens come to me and say, Cody, I think I'm ready to be baptized. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had one come to me and say, ready to be baptized how can I tell my parents you know and I've had just so many people come to me and and they understand the gravity of what they're doing but the one that got to me was when our friend Tiffany got baptized and uh, she had a a pretty tumultuous uh, that's a big word for Mm -hmm. me past that got her there in her faith before and just to see her become that new creation in Christ afterwards it was an awesome thing to see and it's a celebration. That's it one is. thing that I absolutely love that we do at Crosspoint. Baptism really, truly is a celebration. I love it. I love baptisms. I love everything about them. Babies, older people, my friends. I love it all. Well, I had a friend of mine that worked with me. Uh, he still works with me, actually. And uh, when we do different operations and stuff, we're in the car, me and him a lot. And he's a he's not a new believer, but he's a new dedicated believer. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what faith he was raised in exactly, but they kind of had a view of baptism that I think is a common view of baptism that is not a correct view of baptism in that he thought he was never worthy enough to be baptized. And he thought that after baptism, he was going to have to lead this perfect life. And he he never felt worthy of it because he knew about, you know, the sin in his life. And mm-hmm. I had a conversation with him in my car one time. And I said, well, man, I, that's not what baptism is. Yeah. Uh, baptism is a declaration. And, and honestly, when you're being baptized... That's you kind of standing on a pedestal and saying, I know I'm a sinner. Mm -hmm. I know I'm not worthy of God's grace, but here he is giving it to me anyway. And I'm going to take that. But, uh, you know, I'm just here declaring the goodness of God and his forgiveness and how he's working in my life. And, you know, I remember he called me about two months after that. And he said, I want you to know that I'm getting baptized Sunday. That's awesome. I'm going to cry now. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, he's a great guy. His name is Michael Ahart. Mm -hmm. I know he wouldn't mind me sharing that on the podcast. And he may even listen to the podcast sometimes. But uh, I even sent him a card after it was done. And he afterwards, he even got active in the youth and his church and everything. But he just had such a view of baptism that he had to be this perfect Christian. But that's not what we are. We're we're never going to be perfect Christians. And being baptized is our recognition of which... 
kind of leads me to that, then why do it? Why do it? It's because you're making that declaration. And quite frankly, it's because Jesus did it. Yes. Jesus came and he lived an example for us to try to strive for. Mm-hmm. And he's walking by and seeing John the Baptist baptize people. And John's like, whoa, bro. Listen, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you know who you are, right? Yeah. Like, think about that a minute. Like, it would be an honor. To baptize Jesus? It, it would be an honor to baptize anybody. Yeah, okay, oh, 100%. I mean, li- listen. I don't I'm not that. worthy to doing that. But, I mean, it it would be an honor yeah. for absolutely anybody mm-hmm. to say, hey, man, uh, will you be the one to, to, to dunk me? You know, and and it would be. And, you know, I know that that's something that, that me and Matt are always going to have. And I know you and Matt will have that, too. Is You know, I've been baptized prior to my, my walk in, in Cross Point. My real baptism, though, yes. was at Cross Point. 100%. You know, when I was old enough to know that I was making that decision and this wasn't just a ceremony, this was really true, my declaration to, you know. Well, this was our, our second, it was our second chance. It was our second life. It was been, God washing us new. It was. And there was, there was just such a, you know, I'll forever be grateful to, to Matt being the person oh, to do that. And I know that, you know, he's like, you know, now we're brothers in Christ. Mm-hmm. And, but that's so true through that. But imagine it being Jesus I, I know. right in front of you. And he's there, like, no, 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 it's cool. But Jesus, I ain't worthy. Do it anyway. Yeah. Do it anyway. This is what I'm here to do. It's important. Like, I just think baptism is such an important step in our walk with Jesus. And so many people are like, I just, I, I'm afraid to get up in front of people. That's what we do, though. Yes. We're you're surrounded that's by. what god calls you to do is yeah. to be bold to step out of your comfort zone and to step in to his peace i mean once you get in there and you actually do it it's it's unlike any other experience you'll ever have it is it really is and you're never too old you know you're never too far gone you're never too anything like that to to find christ and, and get baptized romans chapter 6 Uh, verse three goes to say, or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Jesus Christ in baptism, we were joined him in his death, meaning Mm -hmm. we became part of Jesus when we became baptized in his name. It's such a major stand. Look at what he did for us, right? What if Jesus said, man, I, I don't, I don't want to walk that that Calvary. I don't want to go to the cross. Mm-hmm. Baptism is such seems like such a minor thing oh, compared yeah. to that. To think, man, I just I'm not ready for that. You are ready. Mm-hmm. And if you're sitting there listening to this and you're thinking, man, this is this is the conversation I need to do here about my baptism. Come holler at us. Yeah. We would love to talk to you about baptism. And that's one of those things that it, it's almost frustrating because churches get so hung up on the baptism conversation. They get so, well, this is what baptism really means. Well, you can't be saved unless you go under the water. There's so many different views as to what baptism is, but baptism happens in your heart first and foremost. Yes. It's just an outward representation of what has already happened in your heart. You have already become a new creature in Christ and this is just your outward showing of the, your church family of other people. Hey, I took this step. You know, I'm I'm a new being in in Jesus, and I want to show that. I'm not I'm not a guy that loves ceremony. Right. Like I like things to be kind of informal when they can be, and you can probably tell by listening to that 
this podcast, there's some truth to that. But this is one of those, I don't want to call baptism a ceremony, but this is one of those things that I do think is necessary in your mm-hmm. life. And we hark back to Jesus saying that celebration's okay at the wedding. That celebration's okay in baptism. And it's not a ceremony, but there are some ceremonious things that go along with that. But it's such a major step in your walk with Jesus. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, man, maybe it's time for me, holler at us. We would love to journey with you in that step of baptism. And we want to rejoice with you. I mean, that's what God wants. He wants his people to rejoice together in his name. They want people to rejoice about him. So, I mean, we would love to rejoice with you. If you get baptized, I'll be the one over there in the corner crying, but there will be happy, smiling tears. Yes. Well, the, the, the song goes on to say there's no one like you, and true to Chris Tomlin form, it says there's no one like you, you know, about 37 times because, hey, that's how Chris Tomlin does mm-hmm. worship, right? But it says there's no one like you. You know, I think it's important to discuss that Jesus really is the one and only God. And Mm -hmm. it's easy for us to say that again. It's kind of like that Jesus is the light talk a little bit because that's just what we say as Christians. But Jesus really is the one and only God. He's the only one that has lasted through every generation. Yeah. And I mean, whenever um, Greg a couple years ago did that study on the different religions, things like that, and we talked about, Um, other gods. I mean, our God is so unique. He is the one and true God. He is unlike any other proclaimed God. He is, you know, none of the, none of them stand anywhere close to him. No, at all. No, he, he's a God that gives us account of creation. Mm -hmm. Genesis one, one at the beginnings, there's heaven and the earth. He was the mastermind behind that. It tells us how he's going to endure forever. Revelation uh, chapter 19, verse 16 says, on his robe at the on, on his robe at his thighs was written the title King of King and Lord of Lords. I mean, Revelation is a vision given to John. That's something that's happening in the, in the future. future. Yeah. So we have God of the past, we have God of the future. In our lives we have God in the present. God was the God of our ancestors. God mm-hmm. is the is the God of our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. He's our God. He's lasted through every generation. You look back on some of these other gods. I know as we're recording this mm-hmm. last Sunday and during the series we've been over at Crosspoint right now, uh, we've had to mention Baal or, or Bell a couple times, depending on how you really say it. It's not that important because he's not real, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. Might as well say Darth Vader. But, you know, nobody worships Baal anymore Mm -hmm. because he's a false god. He's in the Bible because they were worshiping him in the Bible. He's referenced as a false idol. People aren't worshiping him anymore. Um, Allah, in in generations, hopefully, he's not going to be worshiped anymore. There's only one true God. And and the sad thing is there's going to come a time that every tongue's going to profess that the Lord God is King of Kings. Mm-hmm. And we can only hope that everybody witnesses to the one and true God before that happens. Definitely. I mean, you know, you see and, you know, and God doesn't make you earn anything, doesn't make you give. You know, I know Pastor Greg, when we were talking about the fire that God sent down and Ball, they talked to him for hours and hours and couldn't get anything out of him. They were given their 
you know, blood sacrifices, things like that. And it's, he was like, aren't you so glad that you worship a God that doesn't make you do the, those kinds of things that he died on the cross for you, shed his own blood for you to be saved. And it, it's so true. I mean, the Bible says that he is the way, the truth and the life. And, you know, and the only way to heaven is through him. I mean, he is the, the ultimate, he's the one and only, and, and they don't stand a chance. Yeah, and that's such amazing things mm-hmm. through him. Well, as as the song moves forward just a little bit, it talks about if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? The bridge of this song is really talking about how God's always pulling for us to be victorious in our own life. You know, God's always on our side, right? Mm-hmm. He went to the cross so that we always had a fighting chance. And even on his way to the cross, he says God you know, forgive them. They know not what they do. Even when they are taking him to his death, he still, you know, is on our side. He's still saying, don't punish them. They, they don't know what they're doing. So that, I mean, that speaks testament to what, you know, how God feels about us and what, what his character is. Well, and and I think, I think back to when Jesus is hanging on the cross and the criminal beside Jesus mm-hmm. on the cross. Because that criminal saying, hey man, can't you do something right. about this? Like, But you know what that criminal did in that statement? He acknowledged who God was. Mm-hmm. He acknowledged that Jesus was the Lord. Now he's questioning, why aren't you stopping this? Right. But Jesus' reply to him is, you're going to be with me in paradise later today. Mm-hmm. The battle never ended for that criminal all the way up to the cross where Jesus continues to do what he does. And if, if you want to hear a lot more about our battles, if you want to hear about how God is victorious in our life, let me tell you, go back to our Battle Belongs episode. I don't want to talk too much about this bridge here because you can go back, uh, I think it was two weeks ago now, yeah. Uh, If you go back to the Battle Belongs episode by Phil Wickham, you're going to get what I feel truly was maybe the first episode that we did that we really got a good rhythm going on this podcast. We had a great discussion talking about how the battle's God's and it's on our side. So if you will, if you need to go listen to that, when you finish this episode, go queue up the Battle Belongs episode and, and hear a lot more about how God is always on our side. But I do want to take a break right now just to talk about a couple of of housekeeping things. If you do like what we're doing right here on the podcast, man, go give us a great review. We'd love to hear it. We'd love to see your feedback. If you like what we're doing and you feel like you need to give us a donation, you can do that over there on our website, www.radioelevatepod.com. And if you do like this, we'd also love to see you come join us in person over at Cross Point Church in Jonesboro. We meet there at 111 Conley Drive at 9 o'clock and 1045 each and every Sunday. If you're a youth age student, grades 7 through 12, we would absolutely love to have you at 430 on Sunday nights. Again, if you're listening to this on the day this episode drops, we got that scavenger hunt going on tonight. And don't forget, on July 30th, we've got that night of work coming up we would love to have you come hang out worship with us and sing praise to our king jesus as we spend time honoring and worshiping god together in our night of worship again that's going to be july 30th if you have a chance come visit us there at cross point church in jonesboro tennessee well in true chris tomlin fashion he repeats the course of this song (laughs) 
about 97 different times. Mm -hmm. but, but what he's really talking about how here is how our God is really the supreme authority over everything worldly and spiritually. He talks about how our God is greater. Yeah, I mean, you see his hand at work in our lives and our culture, what's going on around the world, what's going on in, you know, our government, things like that. So, I mean, he's not just a God of personal means, but he's a God of power of he can control anything. I mean, he had the power to, to flood the world with Noah. I mean, he had the power to do that. He had, you know, can do anything. Well, he also talks about how our God is stronger. And to me, I really kind of heart back to the conversation that we had with what a beautiful name where the line said his sin or our sin is great, but his love is greater God really is greater in everything we, we face. He's greater than our injury. He's greater than our sin. He's greater than our depression. He's greater than our enemies. Well, he, you know, definitely stronger. I mean, all the, you know, things that they talk about in the Bible as far as people being at their lowest, I mean, God brings them out of those holes. And I think the biggest thing of God showing and that he's stronger than us is the crucifixion. Yeah. I mean, we could not be saved. We could not be in heaven without that act, the, you know, the crucifixion of Jesus. So, I mean, he's showing us point blank. I mean, I, what I can do is stronger than you are. You don't have to be stronger because I can do that for you. I can take those burdens off you and put those onto myself so that you can live in heaven with me for eternity. You don't always have to be the strongest, and I know that you can't be. Well, he goes on to say that our God is awesome as an awesome healer. You know, I really think back to, to kind of that verse uh, in Matthew where he talks about how sick people need the hospital, how well people don't, but God's given us his word to know that we need that healing in the first place. Like, without knowing what sin was and having God's word to kind of reference we wouldn't know how much we need God anyway. Right, and I think when, when they say awesome healer, everyone autom their brain automatically thinks like the lame person, the paralyzed person, physical. But when we talk about God being an awesome healer, we're talking about him healing our heart, healing our spirit. When Earlier when we talked about the healing of the paralytic man, and the first thing God did was heal his soul. Yeah. He forgave him of his sins. That is the ultimate healing. That's the awesome healer that we see God is, is no matter how wicked our heart is, that he, he awesomely heals that as yeah. long as we ask for it and we have a, you know, an honest heart. Well, and the song ends with him saying, our God is awesome in power. Our God, our God, Chris Tomlin, again with yep. the, the repeating there. <laughs> but Revelation chapter 1 verse 18 says, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Mm -hmm. There is nothing else in the world that can say that they have the power to hold the keys over life, death, eternity, how the world turns, how the world moves, everything. God really is awesome in power. Yeah, I mean, he conquered death. He conquered the grave. He did what no other person could ever do. He did that, and... He did that for us and he, you know, he's awesome in power and 
in all aspects that we can see him in. And he's the ultimate authority over everything. Mm-hmm. He's the authority over Satan and the demons. Yep. He's the authority over the angels and the armies. He's the angels or he's the he's the authority over you. He's the authority mm-hmm. over me. He's the authority over the church. He is the ultimate authority. He really truly is the king of kings. He truly is our God. Chris Tomlin with about 97 different ways to tell us about (laughs) how God is our God and how great God is. But thank you guys so much for joining us this week for another edition of Radio Elevate. If you like what we're doing right here on the podcast, tell them what they can do, Jennifer. The most important thing you can do that'll help us the most if you like what you're hearing is to share, share, share. Share it on Facebook, Spotify, Apple Music, Instagram, wherever you listen to the podcast. Just make sure you're sharing it on social media. You're sharing it with your friends, sharing it with your church members. And we want to reach as many people as we can to get the word of God out there. Man, thank y'all so much. It's so important for y'all to get out there on your social media. It costs nothing to share. Mm -hmm. It's a great time to listen. Man, thank y'all so much for joining us this week on this edition of Radio Elevate. Until next week, my name's Cody. And I'm Jennifer. And we'll see you then. Y'all have a great week. See ya.